Thank you guys so much for leading us, and thank you for worshiping with us. And speaking of thank you, uh, I want to say a big thank you to all of you who've texted or called or reached out and been like, hey, how's COVID been? And uh, most of all, I want to thank you for the greatest expression of love for many of you, and that is food. <laughs> a bunch of you have like either dropped off food or ordered food for delivery, or you've sent us coupons for food. And uh, so just thank you. Um, it's pretty awesome as a culture that that's like the greatest expression of friendship is groceries, right? Like we, that's such a thing about who we are and really everywhere in the world, everywhere I've traveled in the world, the, the way that we celebrate friendship or really celebrate anything is with a meal because there's a big difference, right? Between eating food and having a meal, right? Like you eat food out of survival, right? You know, you oversleep. And so you're just eating a pop tart over the sink and, you know, or, or you're craving that uh, midnight snack or whatever, and so you're eating ice cream over the sink. You know what I'm talking about? Like, that's just food, right? But when it comes to events in life, we are all about the meal, right? Meals are how we celebrate and express all kinds of celebration. It's it's how we celebrate fellowship, right? For For some of us, one of the things we've missed the most since COVID really began to change our way of life is we miss just meeting together for a meal or inviting somebody over for a meal. It, it's how we celebrate friendship. For a lot of us, it's even how friendships begin or deepen or establish. For a bunch of you who are watching right now, the first time we ever had like a real heart-to-heart conversation was we met for lunch somewhere and we had a meal together. And that meal in that moment was way more than food, right? That there was something more going on. It's not just how we celebrate friendship. It's, it's how we celebrate love, right? For, for a lot of us, we began dating by going out for a meal, right? One of the, the clearest remembrances I have of when Maurice and I's relationship began to transition from just friends who were in high school to now we're in college and maybe there's something more going on here is we went to Shoney's after a football game, a high school football game and ate ice cream, right? What a great way to begin a relationship, right? Uh, it's the way to continue a great relationship. We should eat some ice cream, right? Um, I just want to taste something. Uh, that, that's the great irony uh, about the meals is when the first meal was delivered to us was the day that I lost taste and smell. And uh, because food is such a big deal, it has not stopped me from eating at all. <laughs> like literally mentally, I've just thought, I know I didn't taste that bite, but surely this bite. <laughs> you know, I just keep trying to find the, the food where the taste is going to come back. It doesn't stop us at all because it's how we celebrate love. And it's not just how a lot of us began dating when we finally reached that moment of committing and vowing our uh, pledging our vows to one another, what did we do after that ceremony? We had a meal. We had a wedding reception, right, uh, where we invited people we barely know that we had this big meal because meals are a big deal to us. It's how we express what's going on in life. It's how we celebrate family. For a lot of us, the the weirdness of Thanksgiving and Christmas this past year is, is we're used to the tradition of a certain meal and that aunt makes that one pie or that that one uh, casserole or whatever. And, and for a lot of us, we didn't have that this year. There was something missing because that's part of our way of life. 
It's, it's part of how we have reunions, family reunions. And it's for sure part of how families do vacation. If your vacations are anything like the Rife family vacations, the whole schedule revolves around what meal we're going to do on which day at which place, wherever we're heading. And sometimes a meal is not even a celebration of what's going on. It's a celebration of what's about to come. Right. Uh, for those of us who played sports in high school or maybe you've got kids who were doing that now, there's the pregame meal. It's part of the whole experience. Right. It's the the celebration of what is to come. But then there's a whole different kind of meal. It's it's the meal that helps us express grief. And that is the the meal after we're grieving, after a funeral, after a memorial of a life that's passed. As a matter of fact, I got to be honest with you. One of the things that like makes me the most proud to be part of the temple family is the way so many of you step up in helping a family express that grief and have that moment together for a funeral meal. Like it's literally, you would think our church was like a few thousand, not a few hundred the way y'all just like, man, it's incredible the way you serve families in that moment. And so the point of all that is meals for every culture around the world are a big part of how we express the stuff that's most important to us. That's what we're going to look at for a few minutes this morning. So grab your Bible. If you're like using a for real Bible or a tablet or something, um, if you usually use your phone and that's what you're watching on, don't worry, we'll put the text uh, here underneath the screen. Um, and so you can follow along in that way. But I still think it's important as part of our tradition, as part of our DNA as a temple family to say our creed together uh, before we dive into God's word. So wherever you're at, say this uh, along with me. The Bible is the word of God. The truth of the Bible will change my life. Lord, open my heart and awaken my mind and give me grace to respond. Change me for your glory and my joy. Amen. Thanks so much. I know it's still a little awkward uh, if you're alone right now, but I want us to look at actually uh, three different passages this morning. We're going to bounce around a little bit. Those of you who are using a tablet or a phone or something, you can just scroll there. But for those of us that are going to be flipping back and forth, I want you to start at Genesis chapter three. We're going to the very beginning, right? Like a couple pages into the story of time, the story of humankind, the story of creation. We begin in Genesis chapter 3, and, and we're beginning with, with one of those kind of sad meals, with, with really a, a funeral meal. Genesis chapter 3, we're going to look at just one verse in this text, just verse 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, it was good eating, and it was a delight to the eyes, right? Like we know that you, you eat with your eyes before you eat with your mouth, right? That, that there's the whole presentation was good here, right? And that the tree was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate. Like this whole human history of fallenness began with eating. The weird thing about this this eating is it wasn't a funeral meal after the funeral, (laughs) The weird thing about this funeral meal is because of eating this meal, death entered the world and then passed upon all men, the scriptures say. This was a meal that led to death, to spiritual death, to every bit of sickness 
and pain and sorrow and disease and everything that we think is broken or that feels broken to us began with this meal. Truly, there's never been a a meal of deeper suffering or of deeper grief than this funeral meal. Now, what I want us to do is to swing the pendulum, to go to another extreme, both experientially and physically, turn to the, not the beginning of the book, but the very end of the book. Go to the book of Revelation. We're going to look in Revelation chapter 19. So quite the bounce, right? From Genesis 3 to Revelation chapter 19. From a couple pages into the story uh, that God is writing to a couple pages from the end of the book. We're going to look at four verses here, verses 6 through 9. And here's what it says. I want you to notice the how much the tone changes from a table of suffering, a meal that brings death. We read in Revelation 19, verse 6. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude. Well, how loud was this voice and how great was this multitude? Like the roar of many waters. And I love this like poetic language. And like the sound of a mighty peal of thunder. The sound of mighty peals of thunder, right? Like this is some serious noise. Uh, I've now been at home from the holidays and then quarantine with my three boys for like three and a half weeks. I know what the sound of mighty peals of thunder sound like. It's quite a noise, right? That That's this incredible noise. Well, what is this noise expressing? What's what's the sound? What's the, the message in this? Here's what they're crying out. Hallelujah. For the Lord, our God, the almighty reigns like finally that his kingdom has come. His will's now being done on earth as it is in heaven. Like finally his reign is fully visible, fully expressed, fully carried out. Hallelujah. And the only appropriate response to that is the next verse. Verse seven. Let us rejoice and exult and give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself. By the way, she didn't earn this. It was granted to her through the work of the groom with fine linen, bright and pure. What a wedding dress. The, the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. So now check this verse nine. John is watching all this. He says, the angel said to me, Write this, write this down. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Literally, these words are you and I's wedding invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb. The work of the cross and the Holy Spirit within us is our RSVP to this incredible meal. And then I love what the angel said. He said, the angel said to me, These are the true words of God. You can take it to the bank, Jack. You can depend on this. This is the truest of truth. Like what an incredible shift. We look forward to this great celebration where the marriage supper of the lamb, the wedding reception to end all wedding receptions, the the wedding feast that that every other wedding feast, the best one you've ever attended, barely was even a glimpse towards this is the celebration. Well, it's, it's the greatest celebration. 
we go from a meal of suffering to a meal of the greatest celebration there's ever been. Man, what a huge change. What a huge contrast. How in the world do we bridge that gap? How do we go from the table of suffering to the table of the celebration of all time? Well, it's with a table in between. Turn to one more passage, Matthew chapter 26. What bridges the gap from the the table of suffering to the table of celebration? It's the table of the Lord. Matthew chapter 26 is the, the day of Passover, what we talked about in the introduction. And it says in, in verse number 26, as they were ate, eating, Jesus took bread. And after blessing it or giving thanks for it, he broke it. Man, that, that breaking of that bread that would picture the, the breaking of his body is huge. See, without his brokenness, None of our brokenness could be healed. It, it takes brokenness to heal brokenness, to restore brokenness, to redeem brokenness. All of the hope in our healing and our rescue and our redemption is that he was broken for our brokenness. He pictures that before he is betrayed by breaking this bread. And he gave it to the disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup when he had given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many. Man, I am really glad this morning that you are part of many. (laughs) And I'm really glad this morning that I am part of many because it's poured out for many for the forgiveness of what caused the table of suffering. Forgiveness of sins. And then he says this. He says, I tell you, I will not drink again of this fruit of the vine until that day, the day we just read about. That day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. The incredible gap between the table of suffering in Genesis 3 and the table of absolute celebration in Revelation 19 is the table of the Lord in Matthew 26. And the reason that the church of Jesus Christ continues to come to this table again and again and again is because it's the table that changes everything. It's the table that redeems suffering and turns it into joy that takes our greatest problem, our sin, and gives us the hope of victory. This is this is the great progressive dinner. <laughs> you, you, the progressive dinner where you go one place and, and you get the appetizer, you go to the next place, get the first course, you know, if you've ever done a progressive dinner. Here's the, the progress in this dinner. From death to life. <laughs> How's that for progress? From despair to hope. From defeat to victory. See, the, the last several weeks as we went through our Advent series, we, we really focused a lot on peace. We talked a lot about peace. In the series before that, leading up to Advent, we talked a lot about truth. Uh, the whole sermon series was the, the truth about what we're seeing going on around us and the truth about what we're seeing going on inside of us. Here's what I want to say this morning. The truth about our peace is this. It is finished. We have a reason to come to the table of celebration. And it's this. Here's the reason. 
Because this is a table of victory. I shared a lot about the, the different kinds of meals that, that we have in our culture. Here's another meal. And it's not what communion usually looks like. See, typically, in my experience growing up, communion is this very quiet, very formal, very kind of stained glass kind of event, right? But I don't know that that's really the spirit of what this thing is. So think about this. Think about the crazy wheels off little league team who won their game and then got to go to Chuck E. Cheese. That's what this meal is. <laughs> That's a, a far better picture of this celebration. I remember uh, as a young adult before I had kids, I remember once going to Pizza Hut for the buffet because it was affordable, right? I was a young adult. And I remember getting there and the buffet was dead empty. There was no pizza left at all. All that was left was salad. Who goes to Pizza Hut for salad? If you go get a salad at Pizza Hut, you're what's wrong with the world. I'm just, <laughs> I'm just saying that that's not right. That's not right. And I'm like, where did all the food go? And in the corner of this Pizza Hut is this crazy group of a Little League team who had just won some game, right? And I remember thinking, because I didn't have kids, I can't believe these kids are this rambunctious, right? Because, you know, before you have kids, you know all about parenting, you know. And here's the thing. That insanity is really the picture of what I think we're supposed to, to approach this table with. That's the same kind of spirit. It's finished. Like he's defeated death for us. He's, he's purchased our invitation to the marriage supper of the Lamb. This is a table of victory. This is a table of celebration. As a matter of fact, I want us to look at this one verse. Colossians chapter 2 tells us the spirit of this meal. Colossians 2.15 tells us that this is what Jesus has done on our behalf. He disarmed the rulers and authorities, the ones that we wrestle with, right? Not flesh and blood, but them. He put them to open shame. He's, he's making a mockery of them by triumphing over them in him. Christ is our victory. He has won the battle for us. And now he invites us to come to the table of victory where we look forward to the table of true celebration. The amazing thing about this table is it's actually all of those other meals I talked about at the beginning all wrapped up in one. We do come to this table with a sense of grief. We grieve that our sin cost Jesus his life. But it's also a pregame meal because we're looking forward to what is coming. We're looking forward to the end of all the pain and suffering that we're seeing around us. It's a table of victory and celebration that we've discussed. It's a table of friendship because this is communion. This is a community meal. And even though we're taking this in different physical spots, we're being connected and united in this table this morning, it's a table of love. Greater love has no man than this. And it, it's a table that gives us great hope and great anticipation. It's also a family meal. <laughs> Reminds us that, that we're part of the family of God. All of that's captured in this incredible meal in between while we're waiting for the table of suffering to the table of celebration. So here's the closing thought. This meal, this moment, is not like the Food Network. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> like, as a family, we like watching food shows on TV. We like watching Beat Bobby Flay. We like watching um, uh, Chopped. We used to watch um, uh, the, 
um, oh, I just lost the name of it. The one with the, the samurai, whatever, swords coming down at the beginning, uh, whatever that one was called. We used to watch that forever ago. We haven't watched that in like a million years. I can't remember the name of it. That's how, how long it's been. It just left my COVID foggy brain. But we like watching these shows. Matter of fact, Marisa just notified me that I'm supposed to start recording Joanna Gaines's new cooking show that just started this week uh, in case she gets COVID from me and she has something to watch while she is bedridden because <laughs> uh, we like watching these shows. But here's the thing about watching these shows that it's, it's usually not actually the kind of food we would want to eat. Like it's not what we would ever order in a restaurant. And a lot of it, especially on shows like Chopped, is so snooty. Like, they're so proud of this kind of gross-looking food that they've prepared that only the the finer human beings would eat, right? They're like, yes, this is chopped unicorn horn uh, with a side of endangered rhino ear. Like, what? No. Like, we don't we don't want to eat that, right? Like, we, we just want to go Chick-fil-A. We're, we're good. But somehow we like watching the preparation of it and, and them eating their fancy food. This isn't like that. This isn't like watching the Food Network. The incredible thing that's been accomplished through the work of Jesus on the cross and through his resurrection is he's invited us to this table. We're not spectators anymore. As we eat of the bread and drink of the cup, we're coming together to this table that's been made approachable to all of us through his love and through his grace. So I invite you now, don't be a spectator. Let's not just watch this. Let's participate. So I'm going to pray a prayer of of thanksgiving, just like Jesus did. I'm going to thank him for his broken body and for his shed blood. And I'm going to pray that he would truly prepare our hearts. The, The instruction from the Apostle Paul to the church at Corinth is that we're to examine ourselves, make sure there's not some stuff we need to confess or, or something that we need to, to acknowledge before God, before we take this meal. So take this prayer time, not just to listen or to zone out, but to truly ready your heart. And then we're going to have this beautiful song about the hope that's accomplished through this meal. And as that song is is being sung, I encourage you, when, when you feel ready, go ahead and partake of the elements and then celebrate, rejoice, and worship with us. If you're together as a family right now, I encourage somebody take the lead and partake of those elements together as a family. Whenever you're ready, anytime in the middle of the song, after you've taken a moment, to examine your heart and prepare. Let's partake together and then let's celebrate his hope together. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you for inviting us to this incredible, life-changing, eternity-shaping meal. The fact is, if you had not invited us, we could not have earned a seat at this table. So thank you. We acknowledge the the brokenness of the body of Christ Jesus that's made a way for our brokenness to be healed. We acknowledge the shedding of his blood for the forgiveness of our sin. And in that acknowledgement and in that awareness, we say thank you. Thank you for what you've accomplished on our unworthy behalf. Thank you. God, we examine our hearts and we look to see, is is there anything that would hold us back from fully being present in the beauty of this moment? Show us if there is, and then give us grace to lay it down at your feet. 
thank you so much that we don't have to watch this meal. We're invited to actually participate through the work of your son on the cross and through his glorious resurrection. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's do this in remembrance of him whenever you're ready.